Well, this morning we're beginning our series on relationships. And I've been excited about this to start this for a number of reasons. This has been something that's always been important to me and something that I've always felt has been neglected. Oftentimes people say, well, why don't you just teach the Bible? And I think, are you serious? Think about the scriptures. You want to talk about Cain and his brother Abel, the relationship there? You want to talk about Jacob and Esau, their relationship, the difficulties? Not to mention Sarah, Hagar, throw Abraham in there. Joseph and his brothers who sold him into slavery. There are so many areas where relationships have affected the lives of people in such profound ways. David, Saul, the relationship with them, the dynamic between them, David and Saul's son, Jonathan, the best friends, and how it was encouraging to one another. And then you can move to the New Testament, talk about how Jesus had a relationship with his disciples or with the multitudes or with the Pharisees. How Paul and Barnabas had to separate because the contention between them was so great that they could no longer work together. So many areas that relationships are just an integral part of the scriptures because really it's all about the relationships that we have with one another. And understanding that is of such importance I can remember talking to people, and I had talked to this young man, and he's just such a, a nice young man, a good Christian boy. And, and he comes to church every week, and he knows the Scripture, and he could just give you a discourse on eschatology. The study of the last times, for those of you wondering, is that some medical term? But he can't get a date to save his life. He's inept in the area of relationships. And when you see him talking to a wonderful young lady, all he wants to do is show off his skills about Bible knowledge. And she's like, hmm, I don't want to spend the rest of my life with you. Well, I don't know if she's saying that. That's what I'm thinking she's saying as I'm watching this. I'm like, serious, dude? You know, just a, you look nice today would be good. It would go miles and just this inability to communicate with one another in every aspect of our lives because relationships are who we are. The relationship you have with your husband or wife if you're married, with your children, with your parents, with your coworkers, with your friends. And the dynamic that takes place there, if you would increase your relational ability to communicate and to connect with people in all these areas, your life would qualify just so much. It would just increase in quality. That's what I meant to say. But it's something we invest so little in. And I don't know why we take those things for granted. You think about it, it's at the core not only of our dealing with one another, it's at the core of who God is. It says 
in Genesis 1.6 or 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Relationship is a part of who God is at the core. Now, we believe that he is speaking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that this is a reference to the Trinity. He's not talking to angels. He didn't make us in the image of angels. He made us in his own image. And so this is at the character of who God is as well. He's relational. And he's made us in his image. Just the next chapter, it talks about when he created man. After he has created all the animals, and man has given names to all of the animals in creation, this is before the fall, before there is a separation between God and man, when man and God are just as close as they can be. God says it is not good for the man to be alone. That's very telling. You see, God was not enough. I know you're thinking, no, that's, that's blasphemous. No, you've just learned wrong. God was not enough. It was not good for man to be alone. And so he created woman to complete him. You know, when a person is being punished in prison, what do they do? They put him in solitary confinement. Even the most hardened criminal, if they're locked up by themselves, someone who's just socially inept, who is aggravated at other people, you take that person and you put them alone long enough and they will go nuts. Because they need connection. We were wired that way by God himself, who is a relational being, has made us to be relational beings, and you take us out of that element and we will go crazy. So relationships are of utmost importance. And developing them so that we can have healthy and good and strong relationships is very important. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is a scripture that is usually read at weddings. I'm doing two weddings next month, and I'm sure I'll use parts of this passage in those weddings because it's a beautiful passage, but it's not dealing with husbands and wives. And we're going to start at verse 8. It says, there was a man alone. So you're getting the picture here that Solomon is painting. There's a person, and this is his condition. He's alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end of his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. So his stuff could not satisfy him. He was alone, and all the things that he had, it was meaningless. There was an absence in his life. The absence was someone. There was no son. There was no father. There, there was no one else in his life, no brother. Verse 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the fool. No, it doesn't say that. It says, 
there I go again. But pity anyone. Do you guys know how hard it is for me to read sometimes? I mean, I'll be alone and those things jump in my mind. Okay, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so Solomon gives a list of why companionship is important. And it covers so many aspects here. It's not just a marriage. He's talking about how they have better return for their work, how they can be strengthened and help one another up. You can't do that by yourself. They can keep warm. They will not be overpowered. The idea of having others is at the center of this and how important it is for us. How important it is for us to recognize this and understand the need. You see, relationships have a direct connection to the quality of our lives. You have bad relationships, guess what? You have a bad life. You have good relationships, it changes the quality of your life and increases it to be something that's much more... ...is people. Jesus died for people. We need to... this understanding of who we are connected to other people. The way we choose to relate to one another defines the quality of our human experience and it reveals what we really value the most. You see, the global economy is based on money. The human economy is based on relationships and how we connect to one another. So how we choose to spend, invest, and give our lives in this area is of utmost importance. You want to change your life for the better? Learn how to be a better husband, wife, son, daughter, friend, coworker, and it will change the quality of your life. Somehow we've thought that it's just about learning more things. If I can learn more, life will be better. No, you have to be a better person to the people around you for your life to get better. The Ten Commandments, what are they about? They're about relationship. The first three deal with our relationship with God. Not having other gods, not having idolatry be a part of our lives, keeping him Focus, the Sabbath, holy. The other seven deal with our connection to one another, how we deal with one another, our relationship with one another in a society, not murdering, not stealing, not coveting. It's all about how we interact with one another. It's of utmost importance. It was at the core of Jesus' teaching. Think of the parables where he talks about forgiveness. 
importance of forgiving other people. If you want to be forgiven, it's necessary you have this forgiveness with others. How he talks about envy, jealousy. Deals with pride. And Jesus at the heart of his message in John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Right after that, he says, and this by, is by this that everyone will know that you are my disciples. What? By love. Love is relational. God is love. God is relational. This is at the heart of Jesus' message. This is how people will know who we are by how we treat and interact with each other. And so isn't it important to understand how we should do that? How we can do that better? Is there anyone here who thinks, I've got it down, i got no problems? If you are, I'll step down. You can come up here right now and you can just take over. This is something we all need to develop more something that we all need to invest more in. And the love that Jesus is talking about is not just a sentimental, be here today and gone tomorrow, twilight kind of. This is love that involves me. It's a love that is serving and risking for the sake of others. Is the value of people will fail to represent Jesus Christ. That's why the first and greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, was followed by and love your neighbor as yourself because they are seen as the same. And we live in a relational world that is connected to one another. And that's where we want to invest our time in our conversation for the next few weeks to try and develop who we are in this way. And think about it. All the ways that God could have chosen to prove that we were his followers. Of all the ways, he could have said, I'm going to empower you to do miraculous things. I'm going to give you the ability to heal all the sick and raise the dead and start your automobiles on cold mornings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that would have been great, but that's not how he decided to, to give evidence of who he was. I'm going to give you an intellect that's superior to others so you'll be able to beat them in all the arguments that you have. I'll give you this ability to do these things, to soar above them in all these areas, to dominate them with your dynamic personalities. But that's not how he chose to reveal himself. Instead of telling us to be the loudest with our voices, Jesus invited us to be abundantly free with our love. That's how people will know who God is. When we love each other the right way, we are proof of God. Think about that. When we love each other, we are the proof of God. Because God is love.
That's how all men will know we are followers of Christ. And this is what troubles me. Okay, if this is true, if this is of utmost importance, then why don't we spend time developing who we are? And we do. I mean, we've got couples that are away this weekend at the you know, weekend to remember for the married couples, and we've got a number of couples who are there this morning. And so there are things that we do to invest in ourselves, but you know what? Most people want to learn more about the end times. You can have a conference about the end times and you will fill the place up. But I got to tell you this. I've never counseled a couple that was in crisis because they were arguing about the end times. Never. Sit down. What's, what's the issue with you guys? Well, I'm kind of a pre-trib rapture and she's kind of a post-trib and I just... I don't think it's going to work. I've never had that. It just isn't important. But I have had so many relationships crumble because they don't know how to relate to one another and to communicate to one another. But they'll go to the conferences to find out about the end of the world. They'll go to talk about all the prophecies and all the things or go to a healing and miracle service and they'll go to this and they'll go to that and they don't invest at the core of who they are as human beings in a way that will help them to better represent their creator. We neglect those areas and it troubles me because I think of why are we so enamored with other things and so unfocused on things that would help in our relationships, that would help in our marriages, would help with our work, would help with our friends. How many people just cannot have and hold on to good friends or have friendships that are toxic and difficult because they don't know how to conduct themselves in relationships? because they don't see and understand the importance. And so I want to spend this time the next few weeks looking at important ways to better these relationships in our lives so that the quality of our lives can be better, so that we can find out more about who we are and how we are supposed to interact with one another. So how do we get started? There's one thing that's consistent and affects every relationship you are in. Your relationship with, again, husband, wife, children, parents, friends, coworkers. There is something that is consistent in every one of those relationships. That's you. You have the ability to make better or worse every relationship you are involved in. And think about this. 50% of every relationship you are involved in is up to you. When I'm talking to a husband and wife and, and they're having some issues, and I let them know, you know, 50% of this is up to you. So that means all you need is a few more percentage on the other side and you can swing the balance. How do we make full of our part of these relationships because the problem is we're the only ones who can control 
this relationship that we have. And the lack of self-awareness is one of the most prominent obstacles in relationships. Not being aware of who we really are is one of the biggest areas of fault in our relationships. Our inability to see our limitations, it's going to stifle the ability to build and establish healthy relationships. If we can't see clearly who we are and recognize the problems we have, it is going to sabotage everything we do. When I look back at my life and I think of the arguments Karina and I have had, at the beginning of every one, I was right. You would think I would be able to stop and look back and say, you know, after this many years, I realized that I have not always been right. I've been proven wrong over and over again. I'm not even batting 50-50. I'm not batting 500 here. So the next time I enter an argument with her, you might think I would say, you know what, there's a chance I could be wrong. But I don't. Not usually. I'm usually quick to go back to that place. I'm right, you're wrong, let me prove it. And my inability to be self-aware and understand and really have a distinguishing eye at my own heart and life is probably one of the biggest problems in my relationship. Not only with my wife, but in every other relationship. And so at the core, what we need to do is recognize who we are and recognize the problems that we have. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus deals with this beautifully. In his parable, one that you're very aware of, chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, that's a question we need to answer, okay? He's not just telling a story. Ask yourself, why do you notice the dust in someone else's eye but don't realize the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time There is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, the first thing we need to do if we want to move forward in a healthy relationship is take the plank out of our eye. The first thing we need to do is recognize who we are in our nature and what our tendencies are. Because if we don't see the plank in our eye, we're going to be trying to take the speck out of their eye and we're going to be poking a lot of eyes out. Trying to make things better, we only make things worse because we're blinded by what's in us. 
And if we're going to move forward to have an understanding of how to better our life in this area of relationships, we first have to take a good look at ourselves because we're going to challenge ourselves. And you're going to say, well, I don't do that. Well, oh yeah, those people do that. And all the while, there is a plank in your eye and all you're doing is trying to see the dust in other people's eyes. And so it's going to be something that is going to touch home for all of us, I hope, as we look at how we deal with things. And how we fail to deal with the plank that's in our own eye. It's of such importance that we understand who we are and how we deal with things so that we can get the most out of what we need in relationships. Relationships are difficult. They're hard. They're so emotionally charged. And and so many times the problems in relationships are just not having the right attitude at the right time. When my wife is mad at me because I did something stupid. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just like a sweet puppy, you know. Just pet me. I, I won't do it again. I'm sorry. Wagging my tails between my legs. I'm sorry. And time goes by, and she's still mad, and I start thinking, who does she think she is to be mad at me? (laughs) And the sweet sweet puppy turns into a Rottweiler. I've forgiven her lots of times. Comes to me like a soft little Maltese. And says, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> now you're sorry. I asked you to forgive me a long time ago. You didn't forgive me. Why should I accept your apology now? Both be soft, cuddly dogs at the same time. How many times it's a matter of timing? I'm angry. She's not, she's angry, I'm not. And that timing just keeps things going because, again, we're not looking at the speck in our own, I mean, the plank in our own eye. And that's a hard thing to do. But can you stand back and recognize that sometimes that's how you behave? Because if you can't, it's going to just keep happening over and over again. We're all guilty of minimizing our own faults and maximizing the other person's faults. And that's why self-awareness is going to be crucial to living a new way in relationships, being self-aware. We're all good at putting up a front. We all have a racket. You guys know what a racket is? A racket is when there was a candy store, but behind the candy store there was a speakeasy where they were drinking and gambling. The racket was, it looked like a candy store, but what was really going on is the gambling and the drinking. And we have ways of putting up a front to make ourselves look good. I'm just a candy store. 
and we'll lie to ourselves. We won't be honest with the truth that's going on and the problems that we're dealing with inside. That's our racket. We put up the front. And we've got to be self-aware, critical to look at ourselves in this way. And we might not be able to eliminate all the blind spots in our lives. It's a continual process. Okay, but the more we can acknowledge them, the more we can deny the power that they have over us and deny the power they have on our relationships. If I can be aware of my blind spots, I don't give them power anymore to influence my relationships with the people in my life. If I'm not aware of them, if I'm too proud to see the plank in my own eye, I will continually live a life blind to those things that are sabotaging the depths of a relationship that I would want. And so we need to be careful that that doesn't happen to us. If others may see us more clearly than we see ourselves, then maybe we should actually invite them to share their perception to help us navigate through this. (laughs) Now, isn't that a minefield? My wife knows me more than anyone else, but sometimes the last thing I want to hear is what she thinks about me in a situation. Because she's going to see the truth. Well, I think you were an insensitive jerk. Oh. How do you really feel? But you know what? It just might be that I was an insensitive jerk. Wouldn't it be better to know I was an insensitive jerk than to deny it? Wouldn't it be better to hear something that would actually see me clearly instead of pretending? And you guys know what it's like. You ever see a picture, a photograph of yourself, someone tags you on Facebook, you go to that picture and you go, ah. Oh, man, that's a terrible picture of me. No, that's a real picture of you. <laughs> you have a deluded idea of what you really look like. That's a bad angle of me. Well, that's what you look like from that angle. <laughs> and you see, just like the camera doesn't lie, sometimes those help lives who can give us don't lie but it's not easy and we have to welcome the hard things about ourselves if we want to see ourselves clearly so that we can change and so you should have people in your life who love you because if they don't love and care for you then the advice and the could be more hurtful than good. But if you have people who genuinely love you, you should allow them a voice in your life as to how you are, what you are, and maybe areas you need help in. And I got to tell you, it's going to hurt. The truth does hurt because we all need to deal with those things. 
but I would rather see the truth than live a lie. I would rather know what's really happening and how I really am than to put up the front, to have my racket go on and never deal with the problems that are at the core of what's going on in me. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Sometimes it's like surgery. We don't want to invite just anybody or everybody to that intimate place, giving a voice in our lives, but those who can be trusted, who may have more insight to offer than you've ever known. They may be able to help you become a better person if you are willing to just listen to their voice and allow them to speak into your life. You need to be able to critique yourself. An unexamined life is an ineffective life. Think about that. Think about the people who are in different fields, sports. A person who is playing sports, if if it's basketball, they watch themselves over and over and over again so they can see the mistakes they made so they can improve their game. If it's baseball and a pitcher, they watch that footage over and over and over again. You're dropping your elbow. You're not extending yourself. You're not following through. So they can improve their game so that they can get better. Speakers, those who are good, need to listen to themselves over and over again, not because I really like the way I sound, so they can understand how they err. I hate listening to myself. I listen and I go, oh, did I say that? Oh, and I'm going to do that probably tomorrow when I hear this. Did I say that? Oh, why did I say that? I didn't need to say that. Oh, but hopefully it will help me from not doing it again. You see, if we don't examine our lives, we will not have effective lives. And let me ask you in in the silence of your own heart, do you examine your life? Do you really take stock and say, I need to kind of examine myself. I need to say, I need to see the person I am to my wife, to my kids, to my coworkers. I, I really need to take stock. I need to invite someone's voice and opinion into my life. Is that something you welcome? Is that something you look forward to? Or it's like, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. But you're going to continue to try and pull the dust out of someone else's eye? It's important. If you are more self-aware, you're going to hurt people less. You're going to help people more. And you're going to create a different and more healthy space around you. If we take a stance that it doesn't matter what people say, I don't need to change, oh, I know that already, then we're undermining our growth in the areas of relationships. And it's an area that continues to need growth. 
It's an area that continues to need development, continues to need care. The quality of our relationships will suffer if we do not examine our own lives, take stock in what people have to say about us, take it for value, and we will not have the quality of lives that we desire if we do not look and examine ourselves. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at how we can further examine ourselves and how we show up in relationships. See some of the bad habits that we have that we've maybe inherited from our parents. This is how they did it. This is how I do it. How we like to be blind to the things about ourselves that need improvement, but we're so aware of the things in others that need improvement. And so I hope for the next few weeks that we can go through things that will be practical and helpful tools to all of us to be able to change the quality of our lives by changing the relationships that are a part of our lives, every relationship. This isn't just about husbands and wives. This is about us as human beings and the importance to develop the relationships that we have with one another. Paul said we are the body of Christ. He gave an illustration that each one of us are connected to each other just like a human body is. How important is it then for us to develop and make sure that we are healthy in our part? It's vital. It's vital. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning we are, first of all, aware that this topic is probably one of the more important topics in each of our lives in some way. Lord, you know every situation here. You know the people who are lonely, who who don't have friends. You, You know the marriages that are in strife. You know, the parents who are at odds with their children or the problems with friends, co-workers, you know every relationship that is here and every one of us has issues in areas of relationship that we need help. So I pray that as we continue to go through this series and look at the importance of relationships and and relating the right way, that it would be helpful in all these areas. Lord, you also know, we we read about it, how we tend to want to take the speck out of others' eye but ignore the plank in our own. And if we're going to move anywhere, we have to first take an honest look at ourselves and recognize that we need another voice to tell us who we are. We need someone else's input other than our own and other than what we think you would say to help us move forward into a healthier way. And God, I know that that is probably going to be the hardest battle is to be able to hear another's voice tell us that there's a plank in your eye. But Lord, might we be willing to 
step into that difficult place, address these hard issues within ourselves so that we can move forward and have better, healthier relationships, more productive lives that bring more honor to you. Lord, I pray we be open and that you would do a work from this time as we move forward into next week. May we start this process of being self-examining, criticizing our own self, welcoming voices from those that we trust and love. And may we start to remove, Lord, those planks so that we can see clearly and live better. I do pray and ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.